You are now listening to Food for Thought. Food for Thought. Food for Thought. Okay, I'm recording. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of Food for Thought. My name is David. My name is Kim. And today <laughs> we have... <laughs> it gets everybody. <laughs> My name's Anne. Nice to meet you all. What up, Anne? <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the party. <laughs> uh, how are you? Yeah, good, good. I was, I was just saying um, to you guys and I'll say to everyone, I was like, the best part of the whole chat is always to start when you first say hello to each other because it's the catch-up time and you get all the banter and all that jazz. Yeah. So I highly recommend you guys sneakily starting record from the start. You'll get some yeah. sure. Can you see it when it's when it says record? Does it, does it come up on your screen? Yeah, it's not very subtle. It's not really it's not in <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's no. cool. good idea. I'm 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 just gonna do it next time. Yeah, just record sure. and just see what happens. But um, yeah. So uh, we thought we'd catch up with you because we haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Um, how is your ISO and how is quarantine and how's everything with things lifting at the moment as well yeah to be honest i feel like absolutely nothing changed in my life in terms right. of episode because mm. i've always i've always worked from home so it's it didn't really change too much and i my attendance at uni was pretty poor so also <laughs> didn't change very much so <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that changed was obviously me uh, i think gyms closing was a difference and then cafes itself but i was so busy during that time that it, it really didn't feel like it affected much and also i live in a big asian family with a lot of people so mm. like being bored was never a thing and like there's i've got two grandmas that are with us now who literally do the wackiest things man <laughs> like i'll wake up yes. i'll wake up at like eight o'clock and i'm like yeah that's early and i'll look out the window in the kitchen and they're like cementing Cement. Like just just cementing random stuff on the ground. Wow. Like squatting around the backyard, just cementing and like eight o'clock in the morning. They just love so, doing stuff, huh? Like they find they always find something to stay active with, you know what I mean? And like yeah. we're like, oh I'm so bored. Like Yeah. yeah they, they honestly do. Like my for Mother's Day, my dad got my grandma a leaf blower. <laughs> wow. <Nice. laughs> like never rest. He's like, yeah, you don't deserve a rest. You keep blowing some leaves. <laughs> Here, go do some more work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, um, no, not much, not much changed other than, obviously, it was definitely sad seeing it all unravel around the world. Mm. Um, but for me personally, I was kept pretty busy and I have a massive family. That's always lots of fun. So, um, and I'm really one of the lucky ones in that, you know, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't lose a job. Um, if anything, it was even busier than it, it, it would have been because it's all online stuff. Mm, so, right. um, yeah. And my family has been really lucky too. So no one in my family really has or did lose any job. Um, like my sister's in, is a, um, uh, in health, the health world and my other sister's in teaching my mom's in like a receptionist in a medical center and dad's in kind of software development, which, yeah. So no one really lost um, their job. So it was just more so tough watching your friends lose right. jobs and businesses. And just for the listeners, what do you do? 
So um, I just like to take my trips down to the kitchen. <laughs> I'm in for job. For <laughs> <laughs> <Boring> work. <laughs> Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do in general? <laughs> That's my casual job. Um, ah, right. I well on the weekends. Uh, but no, I consult and strategize and create content and manage um, social media for a bunch of brands. Nice. So, yeah. So um, obviously when everything else is shut down, everything goes online, which meant my job was even bigger than it, it normally is. And then if the thing that I offer, I guess, is the actual content making side of it, as well as the management side. Cause I think a lot of agencies will have two separate teams for that. One's a management, like scheduling and all that mm -hmm. and planning. And then they'll have a creative team that makes the assets that gives it to them. Whereas mm. I kind of just do both. Oh, that's so, awesome. How'd nice. you get into yeah. that? Um, like when I was like 18 or something, I um, reached out to Sarah, who's now like my best mate. And she owns Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. And her, she had been friends with my sister like back in the day and we kind of all lost touch. And then we reached back out and... Matcha Maiden is, I reckon, one of the pioneers in e-commerce on Instagram or businesses on Instagram. And I said, if you ever need help with anything, let me know because it'll be fun to just keep my hands busy in something else that's not physio-based. So, because I'm still full-time, um, I'm my last year of physio, so I'll graduate next year. Uh, and then she was like, oh, can you help me manage the socials? And me being me, I was like, yeah, I can do that. Mind <laughs> you, I was not a social media person. I like traveled for five months and I reckon I posted 10 times or something like that. Oh so I was like, yeah, of course. And she was like, oh, can you, um, let's have a photo shoot day. And I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> I, was like, I know what aperture is. <laughs> I was like, no idea. So it was a lot of um, learning on the job, but I'm a very curious person and I love like learning new things and learning new skills. So I kind of just self-taught all of Adobe or most of Adobe and then um, I feel like Adobe is very much experimental anyway. Like no one, everyone has their own way that they will illustrate something or Nobody their own really way. knows how to use it. Nah. Legit, I don't think it, We're all just lying. Yeah. I'm just like, just say a couple of like jargon and you'll be like mask and <laughs> lasso <laughs> tool. Yeah. yeah magic yeah, wand. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. select a subject as long as you know more than the client you're all good <laughs> <laughs> so i just yeah i just taught myself that and then um i think i just i'm a very analytical person too so and, and in managing social media it's very analytical like understanding the trends and what data actually means mm. so yeah it became a thing and then um people kept referring other people to me so I only really work word of mouth. Like not many people actually know what I do um, because I don't, it's a bit of imposter syndrome where I don't consider myself like a creative. Cause I feel like that, you know, people have qualifications, like you guys are definitely creatives. Whereas I'm just like making stuff. I mean, that's and, still creative. Yeah. But I feel like it's probably a thing that you put upon yourself. Me being like, no, no, no. There's like creatives mm. and I'm kind of like, just doing it like a hobby or whatever. Yeah. Um, I have a personal experience with like imposter syndrome for the longest time. I, I don't know. It was just about like filmmaking. Cause I didn't go to film school for it. And I remember having a meeting with David and I was just like, you know, like 
oh, because I didn't go to film school. And it was this thing that I just kept saying, like, oh, you know, I didn't go to film school. And then he just looked at me and he's just like, um, yeah, but you've got more experience than anybody that has gone to film school. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, experience on the job, it. you know. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I'm a big, like, it's been um, five years now that I've been doing it practically. So it's a lot of experience in terms of the percentage of my whole life five out of like 23 is a big percentage mm-hmm. so um yeah I just do it word of mouth still though and I went full-time probably at the start of last year because I just realized I was getting enough referrals to be able to just not work in any other retail job and just do this that's, awesome. that's crazy and you built that without even like like pushing your own social media <laughs> wow. you- no, mine is like mine is like a whatever, no plan. Like it's on the toilet most of the time. Like ad hoc. Sometimes people will be like, "You spelt that wrong," and I'll be like, "I don't really care." Exactly. Um, so yeah, my social media is very much just just for gags and for fun and not have to think about anything. Mm. So uh, but yeah, it's good. That's dope for people that. Uh, maybe I feel like a lot of people who listen to us might be getting into social media or like trying to understand social media. Mm. Is there any like, I don't know, lesson that you've learned over your five years in terms of building a social media account? Yeah, totally. I think um, the number one thing is to know that it changes so rapidly that uh, a a strategy you write uh, six months ago would probably not apply to now. Mm. Like for example, if you look in the last three months, um, TikTok has blown up, especially over COVID. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of is, it's, it's been around for ages, but all of a sudden it's a norm. It's a, you know, it's a non-ageist thing. It's everyone's getting around it now. So, but I wouldn't have predicted that for this year at all. So right. you can't really write, you got to really, um, you got to know the back of your mind that it's always changing. So you're always having to update your plan always. Mm. Um, and then the other thing is that I think, there's no rules. So people think that they has to look a certain way or feel a certain way or, but my biggest thing that is if each of one of your posts is purposeful for someone, then that's the only rule that there really is. If you want a successful page. Mm. So like posting for the sake of aesthetics overall doesn't really give you much in the long run. Mm. Like it's a thing to look at, but it doesn't really give value to anyone. So if they opened a, a photo of like a, a blue tile with a line through it, because in a nine grid, it looks good. Mm-hmm. But in a single grid, like it's a line on a blue. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, if you can make it each one valuable. So my, my favorite, um, I guess, insights to look at isn't really likes and comments at all. It's actually shares and saves. Because that's the best indication of if that is actually valuable to people. Mm. And then from there, you can build on that idea. And it's like, it's very experimental. It's like doing your own free market research without having to pay anyone or anything. And there's no hard and fast rule. Um, But the other thing is that people have to be patient with it. I think people think that it comes super quick, growth and following. It absolutely does not come super quick. So it could take years, but if you can stick at it, then you'll get to where you need to be. Yeah.
That was awesome. That was amazing. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. I mean, I was not expecting that at all. But where did Ange go? <laughs> nice, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's super valuable for people. I think um, I think it's it's also like a good reminder in terms of like why and just going back to your purpose in terms of like creating and whether it's social media or your actual um, products or service, it's like, why are you doing it? And is this bringing value to people? Yeah. And you're like, you can't bullshit people as well. Like they know when you are actually putting value into your work mm. and not just like trying to get a quick like. Yeah. Which is why like, there's a YouTuber, I forget his name, but he posts, I think one video a year. He does like all these fun experiments. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you guys when I see it, but he does one again. Each time he, every single video will get like millions of views. Always. Cause everyone knows how long he took to make that one video. Wow. And he's got a million or so subscribers in every single video on every platform he posts. Even it's like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is. He, he absolutely smashes it because he, it's, each one is very purposeful and he put a lot of time and effort into it. So, that's awesome. That's dope. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, what we like to do is, I guess, like uncover stories. Um, so what is, what would you say is your origin story to how you got to creating social media content and managing brands um, all across Melbourne? Um, and one in New York. One in New York. Yeah. Nice. She's yeah. worldwide. She's worldwide. <laughs> um, yeah. How did you get to where you are today? You were mentioning um, that quote on your wall since you were 12 years old. The art one. Um, yeah. Like what's, what's your origin story? How did, how, how did you get to who you are now? Yeah. Well, I think the social media is a very small part of, is a result of many things. So like when I was 19, I started a food truck with my sister. That was probably the first major awesome thing but I think for me um I don't know I think I'm an absolute go-getter and that builds my purpose the quote says life's too short to leave important words unsaid and inspiring things undone um and I very much still live to that today I reckon I put that up when I was like 12 there's also one real morbid one on my door that says people always leave oh Leave through that door. <laughs> what kind of twelve year old was I? I must have been just so sad. But I think it was a one tree. I think it was a one tree hill quote that I just loved. Um, Shut but up. yeah, I like to write my own path always. And my thing is, I take the best opportunity at the time that it's given. So if I've given two, I take the one that's the best one for me at the time. So I don't like to write five year plans i don't really like to write 10 year plans i don't even like to write one year plans because so many things change and i feel like if we write our own plans we feel like we have to stay on this path and we never deviate even though sometimes or most of the time the best thing that we can do is deviate from the plan so my origin is, has always been to work hard and give everything that i have to what i do and only do the things that i love that's like my number one thing i only do things that i love and then the rest pretty much follows. So that's how it all started. And I can't tell you that I'll stay in social media and I can't tell you that I'll leave it because when I grow out of love for it, 
will be the time that I do, but I can't tell you when or what that looks like. Um, but that's the origin, I guess, where I come from with everything that I do, no mm. matter what it is. And where do you think that came from? Like, did you, was there a day or like a time where you felt like, you know, I'm just going to start doing what I love. There has to be like, I guess, a moment where you kind of realize that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think, so when I was 17, or first year out of uni was probably the first time I made a proper decision that was going to affect a big part of my life. I feel like in high school, you're, everything's, you don't have to make major decisions. It's like, do I try out for the sport team or not? But it's not going to change your life if you do or you don't. Yeah. Whereas I had uh, gotten to a uni um, that I had, I had physio as my first preference. And then I got my score and I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And for some reason I changed it to a, a course that was even lower than I needed to. But I went to a different university where my friends would be. And I thought lifestyle over like passion for course would be really fun. Four weeks in, I absolutely hated it and ended up dropping out of the course and then having, and then reapplying for the original one that I had as my first preference. And I think that was the first time I was like, actually, I don't like this and it's really miserable and it's affecting me. It's affecting my family, how I respond to them. It's affecting how I'm with my friends, social life, all that jazz. And then I was like, I'm just going to swap. I'm going to take a gap year and I'm going to go traveling. And that traveling was like, I reckon changed. I didn't change me, but it changed how I thought about life and what I wanted to do. Like I literally bought a one-way ticket and then I came back five months later and it was the freest I've ever been in my whole life because I wasn't, I wasn't, didn't have uni to think about because technically I wasn't enrolled in anything. I didn't have high school to think about. I only had travel. So I was like, I was like, I'll never hitchhike. That is so dangerous. <laughs> like, like Three days in, I was like, <laughs> Go. I was like, in my head, I was like, I don't even know if this is a thing or it's just in the movies, but I literally stood on the road like this. By yourself? Yeah, by myself. Dang. And then I got picked up by these four girls who pretty much took me over the, the border of France, over to Spain. And then, I was like cancelling flights. I crashed some uh, couple in their motor home and then I like slept on the street one night because I didn't organise accommodation properly. Oh my God. It was like, wow. it was like, but it was so awesome. I was like, this is the best. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> from that point on, I was like, if I just continue to do the things I love, then I'm happier. I'm more productive. Things fall in place naturally. Mm. Um, and I guess after that first year I kept doing that and everything kept falling into place naturally. And I was like, it can't really be coincidence for five years straight. It's got to be a real product of how you act. So I've just lived by that. And I kind of vow not to do anything that I, I don't want to do because if you're a crap employee, it's not beneficial for anyone. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Mm, okay. So you're Vietnamese, right? Yeah. <laughs> What did your parents think? <laughs> they were so angry. Were they? Yeah, man. When I dropped out, I, okay, so secretly, I'm not like super rebel, but I'll, I'll, devi- I'll go out of the normal path. But when I dropped out of um, uni that first time, like after four weeks, I dropped out in like um, 
April or something. And I didn't tell my dad until July. And I just went to work and he was like, oh, she's such a hard studier. I mean, really, I was just like working 40 hours a week. And then I I told my mum probably, I think a month later, because she was like, why am I picking you up from all these places that aren't uni? And she was like, do you have class today? And I was like, oh, I'm not actually in uni. And she cried. It wasn't um, uh, the best, but at that time... I'm very calculated. So I knew that what I was doing had a, another plan. Like I wasn't just being reckless, yep. dropping along, having no plan. Like the plan was to reapply. Like I purposely dropped out because if I had dropped out, my transcripts calls didn't matter. And therefore I could apply with my ATAR rather than an exam score from uni. Right. My ATAR was going to be better than my exam scores. So it was all a strategic move yeah. and all calculated to in order to get back into physio, which is what I wanted. Mm. But they yeah, definitely weren't, um, they were sad. They weren't angry. They were just really, really sad coming from a very academic and Asian upbringing mm. and going traveling. I didn't tell them until, uh, so my dad realized I was going for like months and months, like a week before. A week. Oh, by the way, I'm going to try to look for another one. I was like, yeah, And then I remember he was in Perth on the day that I was going to leave. And I was like, oh, sorry, I won't see you when I leave. And he goes, yeah, but you'll be back soon. I was like, oh, no, like maybe five months. And he was like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, bye. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I wasn't like But I was like, oh, no, definitely going for longer. And he was like, what? And it wasn't, it wasn't me lying to them. I It just... It's for, I realized with my parents, it's easier to tell them afterwards, like kind of ask for forgiveness than to tell yeah. them first and just go through the wrath of them. But after time, they realized that us kids are really independent and we are switched on with our decisions. So they've grown to very much trust whatever we decide to do. Um, I think being young, they think you're being reckless, but I had a, a massive plan and I came back with like all this stuff and you know, like Asian parents are like, no, 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 don't do it. And they'll go to their friends. They'll be like, my daughter went traveling around the world. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> it was practically that, but yeah, they've come, they've, they've come around a lot to compare to how we were, I guess, brought up in primary school and in high school. Would yeah, you travel like that again? Pardon? Would you travel like that again? Five months? No plan? Yeah. I only, I only ever travel by myself now. Really. I only have a backpack. And it's been my motto to go to as many countries as I am years old. So I'm 23 for 23. So I got to keep it going. But nice. I do I do love, um, if I get another chance to go for five months, I'd definitely do it. But I tend to kind of do the whole book a flight and then not organize anything until I get there. That's awesome. Solid. So, mm. so for the people that are listening, um, yeah. for like if you're, you know, you got Asian parents, you're in a course that you don't really like, or you're in a job that you don't really like, but you're scared of telling them, do you have any tips to go about that? Or, I mean, I know like everyone's different, but I don't know. Do you have any advice on how you think might be a good way to go about it? Yeah, I think, um, it's like it's pretty hard like obviously it took me a while to tell my parents now I wouldn't mind at all but 
I think there comes a time in your life when it's your life to make your own decisions. And so long as you wholeheartedly trust that decision with everything that you have, then you have to just kind of bite the bullet and tell them and really, really believe in yourself that that's your right decision at that time. I think sometimes people are scared because they second guess their decision and maybe it's not right. But if that's really, truly what you want, all you'll be surprised with their reactions too. Because once you kind of give them the, like, give them the plan, rather than just be like, I've dropped out. Then obviously, like, like anyone, even as a friend, you'd be like, what's going on? But if you give them a good blueprint of your plan, being like, this is my plan, you might not have a plan, but just to be fully transparent with them, you might get a, like, you, there might be some silent treatment, but Asian parents, the thing that they give the most is a lot of love, like a lot of it. So as hard as they are on you, it's all very much out of love. Yeah. Like really, it, is out, it sounds cliche, but it really, really is out of love. Like as much as we can do wrong, my parents and my mom will always be like, you're not allowed to move out even when you're married. <laughs> it doesn't you that much. So I think, yeah, it's, I'm not saying you won't get like, they won't get angry, but you definitely have to bite the bullet and you definitely have to tell them because you'll be one, you'll be surprised with how they might react. There might be some period of tension, but that always, always will be resolved. And then they come around to it actually. Then they, and then they kind of learn from you and they learn that, not everything's black and white in the one path. So, mm. so do it. Did you wait? Did you guys have the same kind of thing growing up as well? Um, yeah. Um, I feel like my parents are very understanding, though. I think I'm one of the lucky ones, and they're pretty cool with um, me doing what I love, uh, which is like, yeah, pretty good for me in terms of like, because I think I've always like had this thing where if I love something or if I really want to do something i will like i'll go hard out at it yeah. and they'll see me just like grinding like every single day on this thing so they're just like all right well he really he really likes doing that so mm. i mean yeah like you know do you kind of thing but i think just like going to uni was the was the main thing like for them as asian parents was just like we want yeah. you to go to uni and get a degree and that was it so once i realized that it could be a degree in anything <laughs> there's the loophole yeah i was like ah <laughs> i can still graduate in something that i like doing <laughs> in paper mache <laughs> <laughs> look i could have done that <laughs> i would have been like so happy at my graduation <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think i was i was pretty lucky in terms of that once i i realized that i didn't have to be a doctor or i didn't have to be a dentist or whatever like they would understand um, as long as I was, you know, working hard at what, um, what I wanted to do. So yeah. how about you? Um, I think, yeah, my mom is pretty like, um, pretty chill, pretty laid back. Um, but I remember when you were talking, I just had flashbacks of me and my mom on the couch, just talking about how I was leaving a manager role at Adidas to go and do flying art. Um, and then, I think for her, it was just hard to grasp a creative business. Like, yeah. how are you going to make money? Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. I'm like, mom, I'm making videos. I can do it. Like I can do this. I was so passionate and I was just so like, how could you not see this? Like these 
these lines, these connect, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, obvious. I think she just knew, like, I, I think she couldn't see the potential in it, but she knew that I was deeply passionate about it. Yeah. I think, yeah, I feel like Asian parents, um, unless it's going to make you a lot of money, they don't see it as successful. Mm, yeah. Really the misunderstanding with things like art and creative areas. But I'm a big believer that if you're passionate in what you do, then that you'll become successful as a, as a side product of what you do, really. Yeah, it, it's pretty ironic because my mum named me, um, like, after Bruce Lee, Lee Long, the way um, that's what they called him. And so it's funny because you know who Bruce Lee is because of film, you know? <laughs> and I'm doing film as well. It's like a full circle kind of thing. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, practice pretty much but no that's good that i'm glad i feel like that's an un, a very thing something that happens in all asian households but not really understood by the wider community that's not asian yeah I, yeah i feel like you have to show them that you can stand up for yourself so that you can protect yourself out in the world because if you aren't are like willing to stand up for yourself to your own parents how are you going to do it to other people that are trying to take stuff away from you yeah, that's a really awesome way to look at it, actually. Yeah. It's yeah. like your parents are the strangest people in the whole world, which they aren't when you get older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. But when you're a child, I mean, like, you're pretty much raised up in fear. <laughs> you know? yeah, no I had to do, I remember I had to do three chapters of math before my, I could ask my dad if I could go on a road trip to the beach with my auntie. Yeah. <laughs> With family. These <laughs> like little, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but Officeworks before school used to have to sell these books for like five cents. Do you remember that time? Cause I'm younger than you. You don't remember this time. <laughs> no, I, I was born in New Zealand, so I get a pass. <laughs> I, really, I went to Kmart. <laughs> David's like, I made my own books. <laughs> <laughs> so what about these books? Yeah. Well, you said they used to sell for like one cent and we used to buy like 50 of them. Wow. And we just go through them. There were these exercise books that were like um, 240 pages or something. But we used to go through like books and books of them because of all of the maths kind of like homework that we had to do. Yeah. Christmas mm. was um, English and math exercise books, comprehension books, like vocabulary wow. books and I was like I get the message man <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you know what I actually thought it was normal because you don't know any different as a kid yeah oh, this is what kids get on their birthdays and for Christmas oh my yeah, it's like, well you guys don't go to school every day <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go to school after school yeah <laughs> but you don't have a tutor for what? three hours like, after school why not <laughs> you know what though I only had a tutor for two years and that was practically kind of just to get into McGraw, really. And then I was like, I am not doing any more tutors if I get into McGraw. And that was the deal that we struck. I only oh. went to tutor to hang out with girls. <laughs> <laughs> my mom didn't make me go to tutor. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go to tutor. And spent my pocket money on going to tutor <laughs> so I could sit in class with girls. <laughs> uh. We learned today um, what silent treatment was and what um, being passive aggressive looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I was a simple kid. <laughs> I mean, you knew what you were inspired by. I knew what I wanted. <laughs> no lack of motivation. 
Uh, that's dope. Um, I don't even I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> have Tudor? Tudor. Yeah, I went to Tudor. Um, I went to. Um, I don't know. You guys know Nam Quang? Yeah, I know Nam. Quang. It was like a thing. It's like a school. Um, so I'd go on Saturdays, and then it was at Heather Hill. So I'd go there, um, do maths and English, and it actually helped a lot. Like I felt like I was learning stuff that I would learn after in school. Mm. And I was like, why isn't everyone doing this? Because this makes school so much easier. Like, why yeah. am I even going to school? <laughs> like, actually, yeah. Yeah. So it helps a lot. Um, and then I was doing Viet school on the Sunday. So I was hating it though. I was like, oh, like every day, like there's like, I just want to like hang out on the weekends with the rest of the kids. Yeah. I have to go to Viet school. Yeah. Which I, I was terrible at. <laughs> I was pretty lucky. Ours was only one every Sunday so it was pretty chill and it was very much an intensive program kind of just to get into McGrob um, you can't really study for the Melbourne High McGrob exam anyway because it's an aptitude test in the end pretty much because um, you don't really you're blind to the questions you're kind of just practicing these problem solving skills yeah. Um, but yeah I was pretty lucky that that was it it was just Sundays um, so in terms of extracurricular stuff we didn't have to kind of commit every single night to a particular thing. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I didn't know you went to McRob. Yeah, you'd be surprised, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have. <laughs> every rule. Not everyone there is smart. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm not surprised actually. I'm just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I'm actually nah, like, you know, I'm not even ashamed. I love like being a nerd in every in every way of being a nerd like i don't sure. think there's anything wrong with it i think nothing wrong with being smart <laughs> yeah nerds are cool now yeah nerds we're, are cool. Cool. we're cool <laughs> <laughs> the real yeah. people are like they're not nerds they don't know quantum physics <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, no, I did, I did further this. maths. I, yes. I did, did maths. Absolutely not. All those maths stuff, I didn't even um, pursue that. But no, I love. I think intellect is awesome. I think it's not something that anyone should be ashamed of at any age whatsoever. Um, mm. and I think kids are really harsh on each other in high school and in primary school. Definitely. And, they, and then they reach an age, like we are in the twenties or whatever, and they're like, oh it's actually cool to be cultural or it's actually cool to be different or it's actually cool to be smart or it's cool to have, um, be really good at music rather than just being seen like yeah. that. Yeah. Trying to fit in. Yeah. Yeah. McGrubb was pretty awesome for that though. Like, That's cool. Yeah. Cause I think, cause everyone was at such a high level, like everyone excluding me. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. I think you're smart. No, I was like, sport, sport, sport. I think even the teachers were like, Will she graduate? <laughs> <laughs> if all the subjects are PE. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I think McGrove taught me a lot. It's like, because everyone is very different. Everyone is, mm. um, if you kind of like get the nerds from every school together in one school, it's all, it's then normal. Mm. It's very much what society shapes it as. And if, if, the, if the majority is that way, then that's the new norm. Yeah. So, that's cool. Like, we had like chess club at recess. Like chess was a sport that we went to state for. Yeah, chess. Wow. Yeah. And I it played was- Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> it's kind of like chess. <laughs> it is. 
Yeah. You get to bring your own pieces. <laughs> yeah. You have the um, plastic. No. I always wanted that. I still want that. <laughs> Dude, we had one. I loved it. it you had one? Oh, wow. You had funds in a bunch. Then you had your, your, your deal, your cards on it. Oh my oh, god! No. I just felt like it was inconvenient, it. you know. It was like so cool. the angle was weird. Yeah, but you don't have the actual hologram, so. You can imagine the drama, the dramatic <laughs> effect. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's epic. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not just nerds; we're Asian nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Whole another level. Asian nerds are different kind of nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, it's like third and then eight. <laughs> <laughs> Whole nother tier. I love it. It's like it's a stereotype, and um, sometimes, like I think when you're younger, it's a stereotype that you don't want to be involved in. But as I think we all get older, I think it's definitely a group of. Um, I would say in some instances, still still a minority group. I think it's awesome to be a part of it because, mm. yeah, like you grow up and. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, my God, I love pho. Or, like, I love fried rice. Or, Mm -hmm. can I come to yours? Your mum makes the best, like, this and that. And you're just like, it's normal. But in primary school, I remember not bringing foods to school because people were like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Like, pork floss buns from bread top. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is that? Yeah, true. (laughs) One of them was like, is that, like, like, horse poo you could get that wrong but it definitely isn't and it's like oh you just we ended up just making ham sandwiches yeah because you you just want to fit in um especially in high school like primary school you're just like yeah you're just like i just want to be friends with everyone and just make friends and then as soon as you do something different like straight away everyone's like what is that yeah just like I am that feeling. Yeah. And I hate, you hate, at that age, you don't know how to explain yourself. Mm. You're like, I don't, I don't know how to explain culture. Like, I don't know how to explain being different. You're just like, yeah. you can say it's pork floss. And they're like, what's that? <laughs> oh, like, I don't know. It's floss made out of pork. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just hygiene. I feel like it's, um, for our parents as well, it's a new experience because obviously it's their first time bringing their children into these environments. And it's like, oh yeah, just bring lunch from home. You know, what we always eat. Like, and no, I don't want to bring this. <laughs> I don't want to bring the stinky fish, mum. <laughs> Pretty much. It was, seriously, it was like, oh, no sriracha today, please. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if I'm going to, when I raise my kids, they're going to be very cultural and they'll be like, I've grown to love tradition. Mm. Yeah. But I think in the future, people are going to be jealous. Well, yeah, I think they already are, though. Like, they're, yeah. they're like, oh, I'm going to have a dinner party and mum's making this. Everyone loves it. And so yeah. there's cultures, awesome. And I think that's why people travel. Like, that's why yeah. I love to travel because I like, am obsessed with understanding people's cultures because mm. it's so cool and so different. And it's this perspective that you don't get from just talking to someone. You've got to be in it so yeah that's a good point like you can't be like you can't be racist and love travel it just doesn't make sense you know what i mean like Mm. like traveling for culture yeah yeah you i i don't you can't i don't think i don't know how people travel just to sightsee like i don't really i don't think i could do that yeah like 
like no offense with the Kentucky tours and the top deck tours. Like they're great. Cause you see a lot in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Because you see a lot in a short amount of time, there's actually no way to immerse in the culture. Yeah. You go through and then you go hit the big, the big, you know, sites. Mm-hmm. And you're on to the next one. But you don't even. It's too structured. Yeah. And you spend like an hour on foot in the city and then you're like, cool, been to that city when, I don't know, maybe you haven't been through the outskirts of it and you haven't gone through, like, I remember my bag got stolen in Rome and I was like, you know what? I'm glad because it wouldn't have been a Roman experience if I didn't have a theft. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad my bag got stolen. (laughs) Yeah, stealing cultured people. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was like, well, because I've got friends in Rome and they were just like, if we leave our car, we cannot leave anything in our car because that's just how it is in the burbs in some places mm, wow if that's how it is and that's how it is i guess i'm not here to change that but um it's it's very interesting to see and understand because you don't roam you get there and everyone in the city center is like it's a it's it's really beautiful it's incredible but then you step outside with a local because i couch surfed throughout europe mm. so they with pretty much locals so you get cool. to see what they see and what they eat and what they do yeah and they were like yeah we've had our car stolen however many times alarms don't work because no one really responds to them. Right. They don't really do much because they can't really police it. So it's just something that they accept happens um, if you are willing to leave anything in your car. So mm. things like that, I think. Are really I mean, it takes a lot of trust to couch surf in a foreign country and you must trust people a lot. I do. I trust the world a lot. You do, which is good, which is good. Um, but I'm curious, like, has there been, like, any people that you've come across that you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't sleep on this couch or, <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah, what's, what's your radar like in terms of, like, gauging, like, the safety of certain mm, situations? Well, like, I think it sounds a bit reckless, but I'm, I'm very calculated in my decisions like i'll read every review of a couch surfer because you can go couchsurfing.com that's how it kind of works oh yeah you can read the reviews and okay so it's kind of like airbnb but for couches yeah but you don't pay all right but it's free yeah it's always free and there's no there's no expectation for a financial exchange that's dope yeah so it's pretty much a group of travelers really that want to know other travelers or might have a room spare and they don't really care for like a one day rent if they lose it. Cause people really aren't there for long periods of time. Mm. But yeah, there's some wackies on couch surfing. Like my sister had some pretty fun. I was really awesome. All of mine were like awesome. Awesome. My sister <laughs> had one in Ireland and she didn't read it clearly enough. But her and her friend um, went to this guy's house together and like he accepted them and it turned out they got there and he was like a nudist oh my <laughs> god okay and like they were already there and they had to sleep on the couch on the couch and then like the next few days she was like oh wait that means he's like bare but would have been right with my face oh my god so she was like her, her friend was like what did you do because she organized the accommodation oh. so they just had to like be awkwardly there for a period of time. With a new- That's awesome. 
Um, but yeah, I've heard all sorts of stories, but I was very lucky. But then again, I was like, I was cautious. I was yeah. calculating if I went to couch surf with and in which countries. And if I went there, then I would make sure that I was, I always texted someone to tell them where I was, would be mm-hmm. at whatever place it would be. Like, so I think, yeah, it's fun to be adventurous. You can still be Definitely. Definitely. You just got to be smart about it. Pretty much. Yeah. Nice. Well, in terms of like, um, you know, speaking about, I guess, growing up as an Asian Australian and culture and like, you know, I guess experiencing other cultures um, in terms of here though, what has it been like for you um, growing up? Cause when we first met you, you were at tribute shout out to tribute boxing and you were the only Asian there. And we were like, uh, yeah, pretty much when you first started now there's heaps, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, no shouts, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been slammed if there wasn't one. Yeah. Like, what's going on guys <laughs> uh, it was cool because yeah that's when they first kind of like got the ball rolling with everything um and we just saw you and we just connected straight away obviously um but yeah i was just like curious in terms of like um what what's it like for you growing up and being um sometimes because i know for me sometimes i'm the only asian in situations but I don't really like look at it like that where it's like you know i'm the only asian but it just kind of happens you know it's like mm. oh I'm the only Asian. <laughs> um, yeah, what's it like dealing with those situations with you? Um, and how do you find it? Yeah, I think, I reckon in primary school, there were like four Asians or something. And I don't think we ever identified an Asian because I think at that time, the Asian people were like real Asian, like English and second language. Mm kind of maybe newly migrated so it was like you know you could really they were like the Asians to everyone in the school obviously uh, I'm Asian, but um it felt like there was two levels of Asian there yeah was I get Asian and like Asian Asian I'm I think everyone that lives in Australia that's Asian is Australian Asian or Asian or whatever they identify as I don't think there's a difference but growing up, there's def- there was definitely not many at all. I think, I definitely think there was like four and two of them was me and my sister. Is this in Richmond? No, nah, Preston. Oh, you were in Preston. I was yeah. going to say. Yeah, yeah. And then, but yeah, I don't think I ever saw myself as like Asian, like different to people. Mm. Until it came to cultural things when people were like, like, what's that? Or, yeah. Um, think I've realized growing up there's a lot of differences uh how we interact like how we eat dinner as a family and rituals that we do and like um you know when we come like so when we do uh death anniversaries and stuff there's a whole family gets together and Mm. all that and there's new years and there's just little things like how we cook Mm. like I actually didn't know how to cook with a wooden spoon and I still don't cook with a wooden spoon until like year seven through tech class and they're like let's make spaghetti and mince the meat and there was a wooden spoon i was like i don't know how to utilize this <laughs> where's the chopsticks I was, like, I was like i need my chopsticks to break the mince <laughs> and everyone was like doing this and i was like i don't know how to do this so in that instance it was different but oh. it wasn't like it wasn't like segregation different yeah 
So I never, I was really lucky. I never was the, um, I never got raised like racism against me. I was never slurred, but I definitely have seen it in action and it's really not nice. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. I think there was definitely a difference, but it didn't feel like segregation. Mm. And especially being at McGrob for so many years, like with the real formative years, being year nine to year 12, the school is like 97% Asian. So you yeah. don't feel like the right. in <clears throat> circumstance. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm still continuing to learn the di- our cultural differences because we don't know what we don't know. Like I can talk to you about eating rice and sitting at the table and um, using the Asian sweeper, you know, the, the, the one that was like, they've just cut a tree and tied it all together. Yeah. yeah. Like that one. Yeah, efficient. Yeah. I don't know how to use a broomstick. Like a, that, that one. So efficient. Yeah. Like a one handed brush. It's a yeah. brush. <laughs> brush thing. Yeah. So, like those things that you're like oh we wouldn't do that or like people um we would never i don't know if you guys growing up asian we would never like order takeaway because like we would never t- pay for takeaway to be delivered like we'd order takeaway but we would never order like delivery we're like always go growing up yeah yeah like it just wasn't a cultural thing like we yeah. just never did it and then i was like my friends house and everyone's like oh that's uber eats and i was like so luxurious. <laughs> <laughs> they come for you. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, like even pizza, like we would never get delivery. We would always like drive there and pick it up if we were going to get it. So even those little things. Yeah. Do you know what's crazy in Vietnam? Now they have like grabs with like, just, like dudes on motorbikes that will deliver like KFC or something to you on mm-hmm. a grab, like just on a motorbike who's rock up like, here you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, it's weird though. Yeah. Like it already happened. Like that's how Vietnamese people eat. People just rock up to their house and make them their food and then leave. <laughs> yeah. And now like it has a formal like Western name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause like in Vietnam, they just walk, like they, like my auntie's house, there's like a lady that walks with her full setup. Yeah. Every day anyway. So it's like. The original Uber Eats. Pretty much. It's the walk. <laughs> by foot. By foot, true. Uber by foot. <laughs> how about how about you guys? Were you the same? Did you get any kind of racism? And I guess it's probably a good time. It's a relevant topic at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, yeah, I feel like even if it was like in a passive way, um, I think growing up in like a well, I went to Mazenod, which was an all boys school, and I, it happens a lot. But it's like a thing with guys, I think, where you just, I don't know, you just kind of have this thick skin because you know it's like sometimes in a joking way, but sometimes it could be too far as well. Mm. So there's like this weird, gray area about like racism and racist jokes. And I think just growing up in Australia, I feel like there's just a lot of it. Yeah. Sometimes it's like playful, and sometimes it's not. So mm. it's a bit of a weird one, I think, for me. But um, I never really like saw myself like yeah. Like, like what you were saying, like Asian, Asian. I always just saw people by like what they did. Mm. And I think that's how I got along with people. Like I was always, I was never, there was always like that Asian group 
that I was always like connected with, like, yo, what's up guys? What's going on? My peoples. <laughs> but then like, I was always in like other groups too. Um, and I was always like, always was the only Asian in the group. Um, and then sometimes they would even just call me Asian. <laughs> They're like, yo, Asian, you're Asia. Cause I was the only Asian. And I was like, I would, but then I'm like, was that, is that racist? <laughs> I feel like the only difference, like, because um, the only difference between something being like offensively racist and just being like a racist remark, like it's, it's about the tone and yeah. the delivery. And yeah. it's like, the you intention know, behind yeah, it. you could be like, Oh, Oh, you're a fucking gook or you're a fucking gook. You know, it's different like tones and it's like why you're saying it. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I personally didn't um, experience a lot of like racist remarks. I think the only thing that I got was like about the food. You know, when I was microwaving and everybody's like, what the fuck's that smell? Yeah. I was like, this is ginger stir fry salmon. <laughs> this is delicious. This is like one of the best meals of my yeah. life. Cuisine yeah. up in here. <laughs> yeah. What are you eating? Potato cakes? <laughs> I love potato cakes. Yeah, sometimes so. like, I wish yeah. I had potato cakes. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, can I just have potato cakes today? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get teased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think like growing up as like, and Asian in Australia, I do feel like it happens a lot. Mm. Um, maybe not to us as much, but to people, like to Asian people in general, I do feel like it happens a lot. Um, I think everyone knows that it happens a lot too, which is like a weird thing, but I don't feel like there's a lot of talk about it. Yeah, I feel like saying, it's weird. about, it depends on where you are, you know, and mm. like how many other um, Asian people, how much of a min- minority you are as well and like whether you let it go or you fight for it you know like um i remember having a friend that was like um from a rural town and he was philo but he was really australian and then when he because he was like trying to like meet girls that and he only liked australian girls and then when they they were looking like from first glance they don't see that he's just like them and then when they actually got to talk, they were like, oh, you're just like Aussie. It's like, mm. yeah, what do you, what did you think? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm glad you guys didn't experience it, but mm. I, I do think it's prevalent, but I think it's in part of Asian culture. Like you were saying, you either fight it or you let it go. Yeah. I think it's an Asian culture that we don't like conflict. So we tend to just let it go. Yeah. As, as, I guess as a whole community. Yeah, I, I definitely think so too. I, yeah, which is a chill. Yeah. Is like, I feel like it's it's like a an Asian philosophy to be it's it's wise not to speak, you know, and let them be angry. And yeah, just, like kill them with kindness, kind exactly. of. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let them be, but I feel like our generation is, is a bit more vocal in terms yeah. of standing up. I know, particularly in like COVID time, at the start of that, there was a lot of racism towards. Um, Asian yeah. Americans. Mm, yeah, it was like really, kind of really not nice to see at all. Actually, um, it was like physical and verbal abuse for being Asian in the time of COVID and things like that. So mm. I, it definitely does happen. But no, I think I was I was literally thinking about this the other day. I was like, with everything happening in America and um, like 
all the communities and all the minority communities around the world and how each one would react. And I was like, you know, uh, there's a bit going on in all minority groups, but I feel like I've never seen like an, um, a riot or a protest with Asians for mm. like, I might be wrong. I might be just be completely ignorant to the move, but in terms of like taking the news and, like in a really big scale way. I just yeah. I don't think I've seen it. And I don't know. I think it's just how we are as a culture. We're quite passive. Yeah. yeah. It's like let it go, fight it in the minute potentially, but then kind of not. Like, yeah. Do you think that's a good thing? Um, I think, um, I think it's nice to be heard. I think that's a really nice thing to be able to be heard as a community. Um, but I'm not, I'm not really, I don't like conflict myself and I would much rather kill them with kindness as well. So I don't know. I think different things work for different people. And if it's worked in the past, then it's keep to keep it that way. And it stays true to their culture and true to their values. And if that's the way to do it, then that's the way to do it. But I think, if you are, if you are still true to what you believe in, and you live life that way, then whatever that is, that's the right thing to do. I think it's hard to say what's right and what's wrong, particularly, especially right now. I think a lot of people yeah. have their say in what's the best way to respond to what's happening at the moment. And um, yeah, it's pretty devastating. But I understand from every point with with protests with peaceful ones and i understand um the destruction and i understand anger and so and it's not really not my place to say how they are feeling or how they should respond because i've never felt it and i don't think i ever would want to so yeah. mm. definitely no i agree completely i think um yeah it's a weird time that we live in it's a crazy time but um i guess i was just curious to know your thoughts on this because um i don't know i think it was just like interesting for me to understand other asians in australia um in terms of like your your upbringing your background Mm. um and how you felt as it uh felt about the situation um because for me it was like i was just i was just asking questions i think i'm just a curious person and i was like yeah i'm like hmm well, yeah, what's it like for us? Like, why are we so passive? Like, why do I never see, yeah, same thing, like Asians rioting or protesting or anything like that. And, um, yeah, like we are such a passive, um, passive, how do you say, like type of people? That's not the right word, for lack of a better word. But, yeah, the way that we go about things is usually pretty calm, pretty, like, chill. And the way I go about things is normally like that too because I feel – like i don't like focusing on negative things i I think it's because we have options you know we have the option to go the other way and i think like from what i see it's like um in my daily life it's like do i go to um this shopping center in covid times that is predominantly um asian people aren't there or do i go to the asian supermarket where I won't get like looked at differently, you know, and I, I would opt for the Asian supermarket because it's like, you know, it's, it's smoother life, you know, and it's like, 
pick the smoother just, route. Yeah, pick the smoother route, right? And like, I guess the conflict really happens overseas when they don't have that option, mm. you know, and it's, it's happening no matter what. Yeah, just one or the other. Yeah, I just feel like we're very comfortable. I think in terms of Australia mm. as a whole, I feel like everyone's a bit more laid back, which is understandable because of the conditions that we live in. Mm. And there's, think, yeah, go on. Like, I think laid backness is amazing, but then sometimes we use it as an excuse to be ignorant to things that are happening right mm. under us. Exactly. That's becoming a lot clearer to people now particularly with what's happening in America. And I think um, it's giving a great voice to Indigenous cultures and um, people that have been really affected it for so, so long that yeah. haven't been heard. Um, so, yeah, as much as ignorance is... I mean, as being laid back and chill and going with the flow and not caring is awesome, sometimes it's actually cool to care. Yeah. About. Mm. I feel like the attitude is, oh, as long as it's not happening to me, I'm all good. Pretty much, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I haven't been racially slurred or discriminated against, but I don't appreciate any form of discrimination. Like, exactly. I remember, like, I, in, when I was, for my 21st birthday, I did that ride from Adelaide to Melbourne, and that was to reduce homophobic behaviour in sport. Because I'm just not, I just, I don't know, I don't like conflict, first of all, and... I don't, I don't understand the concept of not just allowing everyone to do everything with the same opportunity. That is to not that concept of not letting people do that is harder to grasp than the concept of like excluding people. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't like, I don't like my dad obviously has experienced racism because he, he gave us all English names on purpose because we have a quite a unique last name and like my, both my parents are full Vietnamese. So I'm definitely hundred percent Asian, but we have a last name and it's Rome, which just doesn't sound Vietnamese on paper. Like mom's Nguyen, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, my brother. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, <laughs> probably <laughs> like some <laughs> distant relative. Um, but we've got like a really non-Asian sounding last name and dad gave us all really English names like Catherine, Angelina, Jennifer, Nicholas mm. um, for, to help us get jobs in the future. Oh, wow. He's like a real forward thinker. He's, yeah, yeah. He's very calculated as well. Yeah, he thought like way, way down the track and he was like, what name on paper will give them the best opportunity to get a job? And it was the most Western name you could think of. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like a lot of like refugees coming over and changing their name, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. just to fit in. I remember one of my friends like in an ESL class in the first class, like, okay, these are a list of English names, and he's just like, <laughs> "I'm Frank from now on." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Shoutouts to Frank. <laughs> yeah. Shoutouts to Richie. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that part where he's like, "Cause um, I'm sure he'll be cool with me sharing this," but his his real Vietnamese name is Bin. Yeah. Um, and people were calling him Bin, like Binny, like, you know, oh, Bin, you're a Bin, oh like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then his, after that, he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to change my name to Richie. And we're like, why? He's like, because I want to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's funny because, I was um, like, yeah. My girlfriend's dog, she was telling me this yesterday. Uh, dog's name is Bin. And oh, then right. they, she was like, I'm going to call it Ben because <laughs> Bin is rubbish Bin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
So yeah, I remember like um, doing like the role at high school, and then I was just going down, and I saw this kid's name, that ho. I'm like, oh, poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that. and that's yeah, <laughs> it's, and it's such it's common, you know, because like it doesn't mean anything else. Like yeah. I mean, like in English sense. Um, overseas, but yeah. Yeah, and then you gotta like fix pronunciation, and then you gotta like, like every time anyone like spell your name over the phone, like just no yeah. one. Yeah. Um, oh. but yeah, but yeah. Dad, dad was pretty forward cool thinking. Nice. Dad sounds like a smart man. Yeah. He's pretty smart. He's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm, oh, okay. something popped up in my mind while yeah. you were talking about um your cycling uh, and sports and stuff. I, I just remember in high school. Um, our teachers made us watch Cool Runnings. You guys watch that yeah. in high school? I watched it during like wet day programs. Yeah, like, that's that's a pretty good film to show kids, right? It, it's the, it? the um, Jamaican bobsled team. Yeah, it's a Jamaican bobsled team and they pretty much practice bobsledding, but they have no ice in Jamaica. Yeah. So they go to the Olympics not ever practicing on ice and they just practice on this cart with wheels the whole time. And then when they go there, they just have the best time. It's just awesome. Yeah. Cool runnings. Yeah, it's that's a classic. Yeah, it's classic. It would be really fun skits, by the way, if we, if we did, if we remade Olympic sports. Yes. <laughs> In the opposite condition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In the opposite conditions, yes. <laughs> like snowboard down a skate ramp. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah like ski. <laughs> that would be awesome. Just rock up to skate parks in like full ski outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> once once things uh, ease up a little bit, we gotta yeah. we gotta make some videos together. I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good skit. I love it. Yeah. You it's, guys, have you guys been busy with um, video stuff? Um, yeah, it's, uh, we had a little bit of a like break, I guess. Um, but now that things are slowly easing, there's a lot of planning and stuff and I'm just kind of really trying to move in towards like more storytelling um, in terms of our videos. And so skits is a part of that as well. So it's, it's fun for us, fun for client and it works. Um, in terms of just like engaging with people and just like telling a story. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we're working on that. We're also working on um, a film uh, based on growing up in Australia, like the refugee, Ooh. yeah, Vietnamese refugees. That's why I like thought of you as well in terms uh-huh. of, yeah, like just telling that story um, because there's no film that we can watch that is about growing up in Australia, coming from Vietnam growing yeah. up in Melbourne, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that's what, like, that's what the pod, my podcast had started off being, was I realised that I would tell people with stories of my parents and they were like, this is otherworldly because it's so, yeah. it was like, I think, I, I'm, I don't know, but I think 90% of people our age or my age who are here in Australia now had parents that fled the war. Yeah. yeah. In the timeline, it's, that's the generation. So if you're here and you're Asian, your parents 100% or close to 100% would have arrived by boat to somewhere. Yeah. And my parents remember all, remember all of their stories so vividly. Yeah. And they tell the stories all the time. But as kids, you don't care to listen. 
because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's my parents' stories, whatever. But you don't realize how different these stories are to any other person. Like, not every country was in a civil war at that time, you yeah. know. And they have like, like my grandma was imprisoned for two years. She lives with us now. Like my mum, my dad was also imprisoned. My mum and my dad and all my uncles and aunties escaped on a boat. Mum was on for 28 days. Dad was on for, uh, I think, a similar amount of time. She was 19 or 20 or something. And, like, she remembers, like, every, like, dad and my grandma were pretty much living in poverty. Like, dad was working from 14 to sell whatever he could to make money to buy bread. And then that was... It. And then my grandma, my grandma's sister, who's living with, um, staying with us now, she, for like, I think she was saying like two years or something, was was eating like a potato a day. Damn. And she was so that she could feed the one bowl of rice they had to the kids, and like that was for ages. And like, mum was like, our boat was shot at in the first night that we got out. Wow. And like if you had a baby or if you had a kid and the kid started crying, it's either you don't in some other boats, you either don't get on the boat or you throw the kid off. So it was like, yeah. and these are like my parents' stories. It's not like my parents telling someone else's story. Yeah. So there's a lot of history that we can learn from our parents, but no one really seems to ask or to document. or to. So it's awesome that you guys are making something because that'd be sick. Yeah. It's in the process, yeah. So we're just doing that research at the moment and interviewing um, and just like trying to grasp our own understanding of it before we tell it, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy. It's ridiculous, like what they've been through and how they just like, like you understand where they're coming from now when we talk about strict Asian parents and like, yo, you got to go to school. You're like, you have so much opportunity here yeah. compared to... Pretty much like, I risk my life for you to, you know, study him. Yeah, they did though. Like, if they didn't want to raise a better family somewhere better, they would have just stayed in Vietnam. Yeah, exactly. Like, they would have just been like, well, this is my destiny, this is my life, I'll stay here. Yeah. We all have sights for the future and it's all, like, I now understand exactly where my parents have come from. Mm. Like, I'm happy that they were disciplined when we were young. I'm, I'm glad that they were like tiger parents i'm glad they made us study hard i'm glad they were hard on us i'm glad they taught us respect i'm glad they taught us tradition i'm glad they forced us to go to like we i had we had to go to vietnamese scouts when we were young like i'm glad we had to go to vietnamese school like it just i'm just glad because otherwise we lose a big chunk of culture and tradition and they appreciate it with us and it stops with us because we don't know enough to then continue that to our kids exactly so, I don't know. I feel like if there's some Asians or out there, I would highly recommend asking your parents some questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if it's just me, but sometimes it's hard to ask those questions because yeah. it's a sad time. Yeah. And like, you know, as we were saying, like with Asians, like we prefer not being in conflict and not talking about conflict as well. Because it's just, yeah, it's just like, I guess bringing up those memories would be tough. Um, and yeah, the interview that we had was tough too, where um, he was like reliving it. And I guess like, you know, going through that, you probably don't want to relive it. It's like, so that's why I think sometimes we don't have that conversation. Yeah. 
Uh, it's tough to have that conversation. Mm. But I mean, yeah, you got to learn. Um, yeah. Like, even if you don't ask, it's more so listen then. Yeah. So, yeah. They're always telling us stories. They mm. call like, oh, like, I went to school. You know, we used to always, we all make fun of them. They're like, well, I used to walk 10 kilometers to school. Well, uh, times are different now. Relax, Dad. But if you listen for long enough, they'll tell you why you have to walk 10 kilometers to school or mm. set the scene wow. and you'll understand it a bit more. So I, I slowly have realized how much our parents have done. They're pretty awesome. Definitely. So, yeah, that's what we're working on. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. You guys are doing cool stuff. Hey? You guys are always doing cool stuff. Ah. Oh. I think it's the same with you. Like we just like doing stuff that we love, and yeah. like doing if cool we hated stuff, it, yeah, cool stuff is fun. Cool stuff is good to do. <laughs> we just want to do cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's like that's cool. Maybe I'll try to learn how to do that. Like yeah. I think you guys like. Um, I'm pretty sure it was you guys like did some video, and there's lots of um, motion graphics. Mm. Like, it was a dance video, I think, and you had like lines. Sometimes in the still uh, just effects and stuff coming up all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, that's cool. So, yeah. After yeah. effects, Adobe, just wing it. <laughs> <laughs> just go for it. I only use After Effects. I don't use Premiere. Oh, really? You edit yeah. Well, when after yeah. Effects. Well, like unless it's a film, then I would use Premiere. But I rather After Effects for things like social content. Oh. Because a lot of it's like. Um, tiles and it's like UGC stuff or it's like fun animation stuff. It's not like I'm producing a video. Yeah. But I'm much rather After Effects because, um, I don't know, I think, one, it doesn't kill your computer because Premiere just, like, I'll turn it on and then my computer goes... <laughs> 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 and I'm like, really like, shut everything else off and just, like, be like, when is it going to crash? When is it going to crash? When is it going to crash? And I'll, like, quickly do my stuff. Command desk, command desk, command desk. Yeah, pretty much. And then, but After Effects is, like, doesn't use, it's not as heavy, but then you can... Right. I just like being so... Um, you can control so many features and things that you want in it. Like it's, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, you can manipulate more um, and like basic color correction you can still do on it. Um, so yeah, I actually, I love, like I only really use After Effects. A lot nice. That's cool. Um, interesting. I, I might try a little bit more in terms of editing and stuff. Mm. You've inspired me. <laughs> yeah, like just transitions and stuff. Mm. They're so good. And like masking is really awesome on it. And really chill. And they've also got a um uh autofill content aware autofill now. Oh cool. Like Photoshop. Yeah. Yeah, it's emotion. Yeah, that's mm. awesome. Cool. Yeah. So like you can literally like say yeah. like a drone on a beach, you can literally remove the person walking on the beach. Yeah, I've seen that kind of stuff. Like um I think removing shadows is that's yeah. really good for that. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's it's um, I don't know. I like it, and it's just easy to use, and go off keyframes and stuff. Mm. Sounds fun. So, in terms of social media, then, um, who are you um, creating content for now for people who just want to check out your work and that kind of stuff? So, the main one that I'm like make the most content for is Bloom Effects. 
Um, it's a skincare brand in New York. Um, mm. And then I kind of run the Matcha Maiden. I used only recently um, kind of tag team with Sarah for Matcha Milk Bar, but they're very much more UGC. We used to do more, that used to be more photo shoot based rather than content creation based. Mm. Whereas Femifex is a lot of creation based. So like um, video tiles and like announcement videos and like actual videos and IGTV stuff. And even simply like product stock images where I, I normally have changed the background of it to something or um, manipulated photos, not in like like faces and stuff, but in terms of like, it used to be a white background now it's a pink background and it's like all that jazz so bloom effects is where there's all of the content creation happening um and then matcha maiden matcha milk bar i used to do capital group which is construction group which i don't do anymore um yeah and then i just consult for a few people but bloom effects is the number one people can check that out and just have a lot of fun so, well, that's cool. Um, look, we've been chatting for an hour and a half now, and that went by pretty quick. Yeah, that went by super I was like, oh, quick. Shit, I just looked at the clock. I was like, damn. Sorry, I didn't. I was just chatting. I can talk until the cows come. Nah, it's good. It's good. It means we're having a good podcast. So you that's have cows. <laughs> Do you have cows? <laughs> no, I'm vegetarian, so I definitely don't have cows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you keep your cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep them all. I, 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 <laughs> in my Western uh, front yard. Hey, now come here. Hello. 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 <laughs> uh, we got the people that are listening. Angie's mum. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. What? She's a trendsetter. Her top is on back to front. Oh, cool. <laughs> Hello. 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 <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. We're just doing an interview about being Asian. <laughs> that is pretty much. Pretty much. We are also Asian. You can have the rice being an Asian. You have yes. the pearl. Exactly. You have roll. Yes. Preach. Yes. <laughs> You have a lot of Asian fruits. Yes. Fruits, yes. All the healthy food. Fresh. But you don't have to sell it. They're already Asian. <laughs> I don't know if our listeners become Asian. If if you want to become Asian, <laughs> become we have Asian. a lot of good food apparently. <laughs> And I to make you laugh. Good to meet you. Shout out Angie's mom. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, there's an audience. <laughs> there's there's five thousand people. Five thousand people. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad. Please tell her that it was just us three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love cute. it. She's awesome. Um, but yeah, um, so my last question um, before we wrap this up would be uh, something that we've asked a lot about guests. Um, if you could go into a time machine um, back to, let's say, 10 years, 
and you just kind of jumped into this time machine. Wow, this question has evolved. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually much simpler, but go it on. It is, yeah. So you jump into the time machine, you come out, you see yourself from 10 years ago, you know, in your one um, bow or whatever it is. <laughs> like, you're like, oh my God, I have one thing, one, I have enough time for one piece of advice to that 13 year old Ange. What would you say um, before you have to go back in the time machine? I would say tell your parents you love them. Mm. Would you want to elaborate on that for us? I just think like time's short and like the quote always says, don't leave inspiring things undone and important words unsaid. And I don't feel like we express as Asian kids. I think being like real lovey-dovey is not a thing. Like, yeah, definitely. Hug heaps. Like mum heaps, but like, not as much, you know, it's just not as much of a thing. And I don't know. I just think I've grown up appreciating my parents a lot more and I wish I, they knew that. And I think it's sometimes teenage were a bit hard on them. I, I wouldn't say anything else because I don't want to change how my life's panned out. Right. Because my it's life's good. panned out so, like, just awesomely. And if I feel like if I told them anything else, then there's an expectation for it to go somewhere or be something or do something. But simply just telling your parents you love them can change their life a little bit. I don't want to change mine. Boom. Wow. Nice. You get an audience. Wow. <laughs> Everyone in the, in the audience like crying. Yeah, like, yeah. so beautiful. Like, Is that for me again? That was beautiful. I love that. Awesome. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. You guys have answered that question? We have. We did answer that um, with Andy. Has your answer changed? Um, nah, still the same. Well, now that you said that, mine's like, tell your parents that you love them. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is um, tell your parents that you love them because my life is so awesome. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I then I wouldn't have to experience the things that I would have gotten to experience. Sure. Yeah. Mm. If I could go back, I would definitely add that on to uh, what I said. I think what I said last time was um, learn, just like um, yeah, don't take learning for like granted. Like just mm-hmm. like yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think you do though. You know, or maybe that's well, a maybe back then. Yeah, yeah. I maybe. didn't really care. I was yeah. just doing stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Mom was along the lines of like meditating and being more present and learning that at a younger age yeah oh actually with now that i think about it if i can't change your answer (laughs) (laughs) i'd say um look after your mental health Mm, definitely yeah definitely something that we are all uh guilty of not looking after our mental health and it's i think it's too stigmatized Think you can't get away with anything. I think you can say you're anxious, and then people will be like, "No, you're not." Yeah. You'd be like, "Oh, I'm, I'm actually depressed," and they're like, "No, you're not, because you're not diagnosed." Or yeah, you know. So I think um, mental health is massive. I, Definitely, I, it's sad that it's so hard to tell people that you're depressed. Yeah, yeah. Like I, in like twenty. 15 I probably had like the darkest year 
and I just was probably part of the reason why I went traveling and probably the reason why traveling was such a big thing. Like I felt it so life changing, but I'm the first to admit that I don't have the best relationship with my mental health. Mm. Um, like I think on the outskirts, on the outside looking in, it's a very, it's a very bubbly and which I am like 99% of the time, but there's definitely like, like I get irritable and, you know, I can, I, I'll lash out with my family because I feel like I can, which is really not a right, a good thing to do. But, um, yeah, I don't think anyone's really living this perfect life of it's all balance and awesome games and stuff. So look after your mental health. Is yeah, it sure. I, I feel like I have my days as well. Like I'm always like super happy and bubbly, but I have those days where I just, um, I think what really resonated with me was when somebody said that like, being healthy isn't like you eat a salad and you're healthy and yeah. it's the same as like mental health it's not something that you achieve and you will be like mentally healthy forever it's something that you take day by day and you can learn or like build your environment to make it work for you but yeah you no know, things can change you know and yeah, yeah. totally yeah that's a good one good one Andrew. yeah yeah i think I mean, at the end of the day, like, look after yourself and, um, like, you, like what you said, like, love, you know, tell the people as cliche as it sounds, it's like, tell the people around you that you love them, like your yeah. parents. And yeah. I think, yeah, when it's rooted in that, like, everything kind of falls into place. Mm, and I hate that love has to be cliche or cheesy. You know? I know, right? Love is like one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I love love so much. Yeah, like real love, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you have a happy family, then everything else around you just—it's a nice place to be coming back to. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Have love in your life. Mm. Yes. Love it. Love. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Done it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> More awkward. We're like, oh, I wish it wasn't cliche. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should add the cricket sound to your list of sounds. Oh wait, I have it somewhere. Oh, I saw that one. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Hello. Oh, that's <laughs> totally- <laughs> we get, we totally saw you. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was good timing. That was good. Well, thank you so much. Yes. No worries. Thank you we'll, so much. We'll pick up soon. Yes, in person. And we can hang out oh. and eat a bun me or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, it should be good. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited for everything that's coming along. Yeah. Thanks so much for jumping on. And it's always nice to talk to you. I think this is the first time we actually like got to talk, talk. Yeah. Um, we're always banter. Just banter. Yeah. Yeah, which is fun too, which is great. Yeah. Uh, like we love that. But yeah, it's nice to sit down and actually catch up with you and, you know, spend some quality time actually having a conversation. Because uh, I think we got a glimpse of it during one of the tribute shoots when we were asking you questions. Yeah. Um, but I think this was really nice. And uh, I feel yeah. like all of our interactions have involved recording or a camera. So we yeah. we have to go to like yeah, a cafe true. and just have coffee and not and this- you. <laughs> not film you. <laughs> Me being an absolute goof or doing something stupid 
or like going to an Asian grocery and yeah <laughs> you know what that, like i appreciate that so much about i loved you. it yeah. yeah it's i think that's when i was like i like this girl she's yeah. funny <laughs> it was, you guys turned it into like the perfect like little snippet of me because i was like some people don't get your sarcasm and i was like oh this could look really corny but it was like the perfect thing i watched i think the pacing was good right it was, it was all about timing yeah yeah let's catch up definitely in um soon in the next two weeks or sounds good well enjoy the rest of your friday night and your weekend thank you you too and we'll catch up with you soon bye all right <laughs> see you <Ange. laughs>